on my lap you do indeed uh seems like sound quality is good we got a nice waveform going excellent so housekeeping out of the way right there and there <laughs> i don't know oh he's coming to oh, you oh, okay. he's coming to you oh my goodness he's like oh wait no there's stuff over there i'm not uh, going over there yeah he the agenda got moved and he got upset i'm sorry buddy he's like there's a thing made out of old trees over there he he's really wanting to get over here to get the plastic bag which we don't need kitty licking plastic in the background. We do necessarily. not. We do not. Nope. Anyhow, you can tell Brandy's here for this episode. I am. And we're not having any technical issues. We are not. I'm recording on our old microphone. Yeah, well, I had to get a new microphone. You did. Because something happened to my old microphone, which I had only had for just over two years. Yeah. And it just decided to suddenly be scratchy Mm -hmm. every time I spoke. It wasn't something that was scratchy in the background, like there wasn't scratchy all the time. So I knew it wasn't atmospheric. Right. It was the actual mic. But honestly, this line of microphones is the best we've ever used. So I went with the same thing Mm -hmm. and I got a protection plan that was only like 10 bucks on top of it. So if anything goes wrong with this one in the next four years... It gonna get fixed or replaced. Nice. Because, yeah, the one we're currently using is the first one we got. Yes. Really. And it's 11 years old. It's a classic. It doesn't have a port for a microphone or, or headphones. A monitor. Yeah, yeah, headphones, monitor. So it has less pieces that could go wrong. And yeah. it's it's been sturdy. And I think I've even dropped it a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Drop well, the mic. Drop the mic. Hello. Yeah, he's purring. He is a purry cat. You may or may not pick it up. He can be pretty loud. And since he's right under the microphone, you might hear a kitty purr. <laughs> uh, he's he's hunkered down and going to settle in. I'm just sure of it. Yeah, so the technical issues I addressed in the Aquarius episode, mm-hmm. that's what the problem was. Mm. So, so, yeah, we have the classic mic going right now. We have a good waveform going. And we have a fun topic to discuss. Once we get into it, we're going to be building custom supervillain teams. Yes, fictional characters, not real life people. Yeah, we've got 10 categories to select from a broad spectrum of fandoms mm-hmm. and to slot them in. And we can discuss the merits thereof in a kind of uh, we got this fashion. <laughs> in fact, maybe I'll drop in a we got this promo. Sweet. Because it kind of ties into how we're addressing the topic once we get into it. Uh, yeah. But right now, shall we just get into news? Yeah, let's get into news. I do sound kind of weird today because I am A, extremely tired, and B, riddled with allergies. Yeah, so, so you might get a bit of a lisp. I'm not not just a lisp, but my voice is just lower. Oh today. yeah, you've and got, sound you've a got the stuffy. rasp. I do have, I've got the, the rasp, rasp, the vocal fry going on. The death rattle. Uh, there you go. 
any of the fans of the grudge there. Cat's looking at you. He does not like that sound. Speaking of the grudge, that the boy and the cat kind of joined spirits. That was weird. Their souls kind of combined they, as the ghost. I, I honestly don't remember. Yeah, because the boy would come out of the walls at you and meow like a cat would. It's very weird. Don't remember. Weird movie. <laughs> it's, I only, well, I saw the Japanese version and I saw the American version. Oh, yeah. And I each, I saw each only once. I, it, that was a long time ago. I like the idea of a haunted family. Well, they say that it's not necessarily always people, or yeah. places rather, that yeah, are haunted. Yeah, it can be people. It can be people. Haunted people. Yeah, especially if you're somebody who's sensitive to things that normal people are not. Ah, normies. Yeah, normies. Down with the normies. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. No, down with the normies. Uh, all types of people are required to make a society productive. So. Yes, we're all cogs in the machine. <laughs> Well, not when you put it that way. Okay. That doesn't sound good. We're all... We're all integral parts of this world we've built. It's like a multicellular organism. Yes, we are one giant multicellular organism that is actually currently destroying the planet on which we live. <laughs> yep. Well, isn't that kind of the... Speaking of supervillain teams, that the whole idea of the human race being like a cancer or some other disease on the earth to mm -hmm. keep things in check mm -hmm. and that we're actually here as the human race to keep life from becoming overabundant yeah but now it's going the opposite direction i think that was the point of gravity's rainbow at the end talking about that the human race is just this agent of death and destruction to keep life in check yeah but i think it's kept it a little too in check because yeah. I can't remember the exact figure. I was reading a scientific article about how many species go extinct a mm -hmm. day. Yeah. And it's more than you think. You're like, wait, what? Ex species go extinct a day? Yeah. Several, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, you think of, I think it's a quarter of the species of animals on the world are forms of beetle. Mm-hmm. And just to think how many beetles, different types of beetles that is. And if one of them goes extinct, there you go. Yeah, but... There are also bigger ones that are oh, starting yeah. to affect yeah. our future. But anyway, climate change isn't real. Nope. And, you know, everything we're doing is just fine. Who cares what we leave behind so long as we get ours now? Okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. No, uh, I'm not. I'm, actually, well, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. If people don't know our political views by now, then they just don't know us. I don't really know that it's a political view. Well, I people make it one. Well, it's not, though. Yeah. It's it's more of a scientific fact, yep. so it's not really a political view. If you're saying that it's the science isn't real, well, that's your opinion, mm -hmm. but facts <laughs> are facts. Well, that so. seems to be one of the lines drawn between being conservative or liberal is if you put faith over science. And even the faith mm -hmm. is not necessarily true faith. It's more of this weird... Uh, prosperity bible type faith which seems to go very against the very words jesus uh spoke in the gospels we have sure gone off on a tangent and it's all my fault yep. <laughs> so, yeah, totally my it's fault like, didn't jesus love the poor yep who did he hang out with didn't jesus did embrace he... immigrants yeah did he did he hang out with all the scribes and the pharisees and all that he, no he hung out with fishermen mostly he hung out with fishermen he hung out with lepers he hung mm. out with prostitutes yep. he hung out with the homeless and the sick yeah so, so i do like the joke about the good samaritan is like boy 
Jesus, kind of racist against Samaritans, aren't you? <laughs> you talk about the one good Samaritan. What does that make the other Samaritans? <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> It's problematic. That's why I like uh, Good Christian Fun. Check out Good Christian Fun. It's a great podcast that uh, interrogates uh, being raised Christian and dealing with your own views as you grow older mm-hmm. against how you were raised as it uh, as it looks at pop culture. It's a fun podcast. One of my favorites. Yep. Good stuff. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, news. We're getting into actual news instead of just talking about climate change. Okay, so I was on another podcast. Cheater. <laughs> hey, I am free to guest on any oh, podcast. Oh, you're, you're a podcast. You're more of a podcaster <laughs> than I am by far because you're on all kinds of shows. Uh, yeah, I did a guest spot on the Make It So, a Star Trek Picard podcast, uh-huh. which is on the We Made This Network. We Made This. And this the second podcast I've been on for that network. I was on an episode of Pick a Disc a while back. Oh, yeah, that was so, great. Same network. Yeah. Same folks. Uh, so I got to be part of that episode talking about the most recent episode of Picard, which as of this recording was episode six, The Impossible Box. What's in the box? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I told Kurt you'd do that. Oh, yeah. Anyway. I've already listened to it. <laughs> so uh, one of the main hosts, Kurt North, was my partner. We had spoken in only messages before that, so it was our first time actually talking to each other, and I feel like it ran... It rant? I feel it like rant? it very well. If you felt like you ranted? I feel... No, I did actually have a bit of a rant on uh, calling the... Uh, ship the La Serena. No. La means the. So don't say the the Serena. (laughs) Say the Serena or say La Serena, but don't say the La Serena. That's like saying the Los Angeles Angels. Do you know what that means? You're saying the the Angels Angels. (laughs) I didn't think about that. Yeah. It's so dumb. The Los Angeles Angels. Mm -hmm, Because Los, it should actually be pronounced Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Los means the. Uh Uh-huh. And it's the plural form of the, because angels, angelos, is plural. That's yeah. why it's the city of angels. Yeah, it is. City of angels. Or pin number. Mm-hmm. We talked about yeah. that. That drives Kurt ATM crazy. machine. Yeah. So we had that little rant. Yep. <laughs> but Acronyms I'm... where you put part of the acronym in the word. Yeah. yeah. I, it was uh, it was really fun. I enjoyed that, and I hope I get the chance to podcast with Kurt again in the future. Well, that sounds like he invited you to another of his podcasts. So, uh, he yeah. does. He does a podcast about podcasters and podcasting. What's it called? <laughs> I don't remember. Okay, because I know Fozzie Bear, a good friend of ours, who just got back from being suspended on Twitter for calling himself a dumb gay bitch. What? <laughs> he called himself that, and he got suspended for a week on Twitter. Wait, what? Yeah, Fozzie's back on twitter it's good to know him I, I miss him I, what he's moved to cincinnati so he's close to the notlp crew that are good friends of his kurt is also a big fan of the x-files and millennium yeah and so he has been a guest on another show in the we made this pantheon called the x cast and he does a millennium podcast wow uh which is called the time is now oh what a depressing series that was well, it was all about the apocalypse and Lance Henriksen with his swallowed gravel voice. It's dark. I mean, it took X-Files and like doubled up the darkness and the, the bleakness aspect of it. It was all about the coming into the universe. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, speak. so oh, I found sorry. it. Okay. I found it. Uh, I knew I could find it. So the actual name of Kurt's podcast about podcasters and podcasting is Pick Up a Podcast. Oh, cool. Because uh, Fozzie's was called the Podcast Podcast, which he regretted naming because it was difficult to find. And they told him, no, you just put the podcast podcast next to each other without a space and it pops right up. Mm. <laughs> so, so I was able to ha- help him uh, get the word out by nice. telling him that. Cool, cool. Because we featured on that a while ago. We did. We did. Yeah. And he started that out so funny and made me laugh mm-hmm. so hard. <laughs> yeah, he's a good host. He's just a good guy. He and is a really great guy. Buffy fan, kaiju fan. He's a size queen when it comes to monsters. Mm, me too. Yeah. I do like a big monster. So, yeah, Cloverfield's one of his favorites. Uh, there we divert. Yeah. Because I hated that film. Same here. That and the way they approach the Cloverfield series is they take scripts that were meant for something else and adding the Cloverfield monster or experience to it Mm. to release a film. And so it's not even tied into a Cloverfield thing. They just kind of shoehorn it in. Well, considering I didn't like the first movie, I don't see why I would want to watch other movies where it's shoehorned in. So I watched the Cloverfield Lane one. That's the only one I've seen. And how was that? It was all right. That's the one where he's keeping people in the Yeah, it was basically like the collector, but they added a Cloverfield monster to it. So, yeah. Well, then I'm not missing anything. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, but yeah, uh, the Make It So uh, Picard podcast. Picard podcast. Picard. Star Trek Picard. Yep. So, yeah, check that out if you're of a fancy to hear me on another podcast with a different guy. Yeah, and (laughs) if you're into Star Trek Picard on Fridays at, was it... 7 o'clock 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Yeah, they do a live show on the Kurt Ratz uh, YouTube channel where you, Dan, and Bruce discuss the most recent Picard episode. We are coming up with a name for it. Actually, we had some viewer suggestions that were really great. I'm not saying which one is the front runner. Okay, that's (laughs) fair. In fact, you might come up with one on your own in the... Yeah, well, you I'm, guys are thinking. I'm not good at naming stuff. I'm so. ridiculously good at it. You are ridiculously yeah, good at it. It's kind of one of my weird you talents. Are. And I appreciate that. Yeah. So, yeah. I put in several that <laughs> Dan was kind of nodding at. I was like, I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't know everything that you put in because the chat was so active mm-hmm. that I couldn't keep up with it. That's a nice thing. That it's a very active chat room. Yeah. Because you, I mean, you had, I think, around 20 when I looked, and sometimes you've been up to 30 viewers. Yeah, which is actually more than we usually got for Live from the Edge. Yeah, for a live show, that's really good. Yeah. I think there might be people more watching Picard than Discovery, but it's hard to tell. Yeah, well, I think Picard uh, brought in more viewers because of the nostalgia factor. But anyone who was expecting Next Gen 2.0, they obviously did not listen to anything Patrick Stewart said leading up to this. Dan addressing how Star Trek reflects social injustices and that sort of thing. And that's what Star Trek's role is. And people saying that Picard wasn't doing that. It's like, it's clearly doing that. You're just blind to it. Yeah. Because you're you're living it right now. Yeah. It's not what you want discussed or you, you're avoiding it. Cause I know some fans of Star Trek, they go to it for escape and they don't want the news in their face. 
when they're watching a television series, but that's what Star Trek does. That's what it did in the classic series. It addressed stuff like racism. Yeah, and you know who else did that from a science fiction standpoint? Rod Serling with yeah. The Twilight Zone. You can do it that way and still have it be escapism. Mm-hmm. I would prefer to have a dose of reality in that regard with Star Trek because it's supposed to be portraying right. how we can be better in the future. Yeah, while well, Star Wars is more your space fantasy stuff, and that's just that's telling pure the, escapism. That's telling your Greek myths. Yeah, you know, which still address human nature and yeah. I'm not saying all that, that Star stuff, Wars but, is dumb. But, I love Star yeah, Wars. It's not reflective of society as a whole. I mean, they kind of did a little bit of that with Last Jedi, and I think that rubbed some people the wrong way. Yeah, well, talk that's... about. Fine. Yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is you don't have to like everything, but you also don't have to waste so much of everyone's time spewing vitriol about it every spare second you have. Yeah, that's what kills me is the people that seem to make it a mission of theirs to attack the Picard series or Discovery. I'm sorry that you're not a kid still. Mm -hmm. That's what it seems to be. Is this is like what thirty years on since Next Generation or something? Yeah, well, it's it takes place twenty years after Star yeah. Trek Insurrection, right? So, which was the last Next Generation movie? So, I'm sorry you're not twenty years younger, and it's not acting like you're twenty years younger because that's that's why I think the problem is with a lot of people that don't like Discovery or Picard is that time's moved on. Mm-hmm. Well, nostalgia is a funny thing. It's yeah. it's great. But at the same time, you can't live there and you can't expect everything new Mm. to be nostalgic. That's ridiculous. Because it took, what, Next Generation third series before it really landed on its feet? Yeah, season one had a lot of, ugh. Season two, and and Deep Space Nine was the same way. Yeah, Uh, it struggled. I feel like Deep Space Nine, out of all of the series, had one of the more solid first seasons. Right. Like that one and TOS had, well, actually Enterprise had a really strong first season. Mm. Of course, people will argue that they didn't. But if you go back and watch Enterprise season one, you'll see actually it's pretty solid. Yeah, this the whole thing with season one of Enterprise was dealing with the Vulcans kind of having their thumb on the human space exploration mm-hmm. project that they weren't allowing them to really spread their wings as much as they could. I think, and the the interesting thing is, is as the series goes on, it does examine that. Yeah, It's very, very interesting how that discussion comes about and what the real underpinning reason is. Mm-hmm. And more than anything else, it's jealousy. <laughs> Well, this could be its own Star Trek podcast. So we've been talking about Star Trek for a good long while now. Sorry. Uh, Let's move on. Well, I can move on and talk about your head cannon. Head cannon. So speaking of a place where you can hear Brandy wax philosophic about Star Trek or whatever fandom that... Oh, don't don't build it up like I'm waxing philosophic. Yeah. Don't do that. Well, it's more like personal stories. Yeah. And your actual attachment to whatever fandom... Yeah, and sometimes I'll tell you about my tell you about my deeply disturbing dreams. So yep. it's basically trying to make sense out of this jumbled mess that is my brain. Yeah, it's like your little half hour, forty five minute therapy session mm. using fandom as a, a device to explore. Yes. I so. wish you guys could see this ridiculous cat. Yeah, he's kind of in a lounge position, cradled makes, in my armpit. Yeah, he makes his own recliner with his his body. Yeah. It's like he's in a reclining chair. Yeah, it's hilarious. And he's leaning back, kind of crescent moon shaped. Yep, all the paws sticking out. I mm-hmm. want to grab him. Not gonna. Don't. 
Don't don't get his belly. <laughs> no, he's just getting his chest. <laughs> he does not like belly rubs. No. All right, so moving on. Yeah. Okay, so bombshell. Bombshell, kaboom. You know how we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. Here's something you guys don't know about us, probably. Oh, I think we've addressed it in a previous episode. Yeah, but I don't think the complete intensity with which oh, I've become right. a fan is. Right. Yeah, anyway, okay, yes. so yeah. When many moons ago we got bored with WWE wrestling, which back then was still WWF until the World Wildlife Wildlife Federation uh, said, Thank no, foundation? stop that. Yeah. Foundation. I think it's Foundation. World Wildlife Foundation? I believe so. Maybe. Long story short, we were getting bored with it anyway, especially when Vince McMahon came back. Mm -hmm. Like, while he was gone, that was the most fun I ever had watching wrestling. Yeah, it was tons of fun. Mick Foley was kind of in charge of things. And Vince McMahon was off doing his XFL stuff, which I guess he's still trying to get off the ground. It's like history is repeating itself 20 years later. Yeah. Except I didn't ever go back to wwe right the only time i ever watched anything was when uh steven amell just decided he wanted to be a wrestler Mm -hmm. and that he wanted to wrestle stardust yes (laughs) so i i didn't get to see most of that because it was mostly on a pay-per-view i was into that and then when cody rhodes showed up cody rhodes is stardust by the way you guys except he's not stardust anymore he never wanted to be stardust he was forced into that because his dad was gold dust Mm -hmm. and you know how vince is yeah he he made a guest appearance on an episode of Arrow, and in fact, several episodes of Arrow in uh, season seven, if I remember correct, was it season six? Right. I get they all run together in my head now. It's yeah, just like he was one kind big of one season. some weird zombie mon- like gangster. He's like a gangster that had some kind of drug that. Well, he fell into a vat of his own drug. Yeah, and, and it made him like. And the drug was called so he couldn't Stardust. Die. Yeah. Well, no, it didn't make it so he couldn't die. It made it so he couldn't feel pain. That's right. He could not feel pain. So you could, you know, shoot him, you could cut his tendons, you know, all that. It wouldn't cause him pain. Oops, sorry, bud. He was looking for a way down. Yeah, he was. And the mic stand was in his way. He doesn't like the mic stand. I made it wiggle and he freaked out. Because he was sniffing it and I'm like, don't you dare spray that. And so I wiggled it and now he's afraid of it. (laughs) He ran away from it. Which is probably for the best. Mm. That is how uh, Oliver Queen actually defeated him was by cutting the, uh, tendons, uh, of his knees so he couldn't walk. Wow. Because his body still functions as a normal body. Yeah. He just can't feel the pain. Uh-huh. So, but someone severs your tendons, <laughs> you're not getting up. Ouch. You're just not. When Cody, uh, announced that he was co-creating this new wrestling conglomerate called AEW, which stands for All Elite Wrestling. Mm-hmm. I immediately took interest because I'm like, oh, I like Cody. He's yep. a good guy. He does a lot of charity stuff. And, you know, he's going to take his experience and what he didn't like about it and do something different and maybe even better. Right. Finally started airing on Basic Cable in October of 2019. And it is now the end of February. So we've had about five months of AEW. And at first I was just like, okay, I don't know who any of these people are, but I'll get to know them. And we have gotten to know them. And there are some where I'm still kind of like, yeah, you need a little more work, but they're, 
there are people who are improving. Mm -hmm. And there are people that at first I was like, oh, please stop sticking your tongue out. And I was like, <laughs> I love Sammy Gamora so much. <laughs> yeah. Was, um, the Dark Order is one of those things because what is their end game? But I maybe that's know. the point of it is yeah. they're making it mysterious. But I don't know why they're this cult or who this arisen one is, you know. The anointed yeah, one. Yeah, the anointed one, who that's going to be. Maybe they have something in their back pocket that they're going to pull out from another recruited wrestler yeah. that they'll bring in. I just don't know. I don't either, and that's part of the fun of it. Yeah. Because I don't think it's something that's never going to have a payoff. They right. are not going to J.J. Abrams mystery box this shit. Yeah. They are going to do something with it, but they're building it slowly. And whenever they make an entrance, they make an entrance. Oh, yeah, they have the human throne. There's a bunch of uh, lackeys and minions that create this throne for the their big henchmen to sit on mm -hmm. there's a there's a lot going on there that is just i don't understand exactly what they're doing but i'm enjoying it yeah they need to do more work on their women's division i think yep. they're finally on that road uh tights and fights just recently released an episode where they talk a little bit about the recent weigh-in where they had the ring girls completely unnecessary ring girls mm-hmm just, I said that when we were watching Yeah, it. just standing there in their skimpy little outfits for well, no reason. It wasn't as bad as if they were in bikinis. Which they was... They were in workout gear. During the cruise that mm -hmm. they did that. Well, and actually the one that was in Miami, the live show that was in uh -huh. Miami. Yeah. They did that. It's and... like, it'd be fine if they did it both ways. Put a handsome guy in, like, little trunks. Yeah, please do that. You know, well, at least balance it out. To be fair, I do get to see a lot of guys mm -hmm. in, you know, they're just their wrestling trunks and their boots. Yeah. But, but they're, there they're there for performance For wrestling, reasons. they're not there they're because not there they're handsome yeah. and attractive, even if they are. So so get on that, AEW. Stop, yeah. stop objectifying women, please. Mm-hmm. We'd appreciate that. Yeah. And just build up their women's wrestling a little better. Yeah. I think they're getting there now yeah. that they've put the title on Nyla Rose. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Nyla Rose is fantastic. She mm -hmm. cuts fantastic promos. Oh, yeah. She's really good on the mic. And she's just a beast. I love yep. it. Well, isn't that it. what they call her? The native beast? The native beast. Yeah. I, I just love it. I love it. It was time for someone who is actually there to have the title. Yep. And it's not really... It's not Riho's fault and it's not really AEW's fault, but they really... I really feel like that they should have taken this title off of Riho like a month ago. But right. now we've got this whole thing that's that's actually good for Nyla's story. Mm -hmm. Because you know, I should have been the first female champion. And she's not wrong. I should have been the face that's on all of the posters, all mm -hmm. of these things. So it's great storytelling in that regard. They yeah. made it into something that became a positive. Yes. So keep building that women's division. And they're coming to Salt Lake City on March 11th. They are indeed. And so going. are we. Yes, we're going. We're going to see a live professional wrestling event, which is something I thought I would never do. I never thought I'd have the chance yeah. to do something like that. And I'm sure as hell not going to go watch WWE live. Mm -hmm. Because I just don't care. I understand yeah. NXT is really good wrestling, too. Well, NXT is good. But I wouldn't necessarily call that WWE, yeah. even though it's yeah. under the same banner. Yeah. They do things way, way differently. Yeah, apparently they have the best women's league in oh, wrestling absolutely. and the best storytelling. So, But I like AEW because they're trying new things and mm -hmm. 
it's a bunch of experienced wrestlers wanting to do things their way. And it's also a bunch of new people that are being given a chance to show what they can do. So yeah, I'm super excited because you may have noticed that I really go... I'm a mark for Sammy Guevara. (laughs) (laughs) I'm usually not a heel kind of girl. Yeah. But this kid is amazing. And I know he's actually a very nice guy. Most heels are. Yep. Some heels are, are dicks in real life. But mm-hmm. Sammy does his own vlog and he's been doing it for years. He is pretty much self-taught. Wow. Because he wanted to be a wrestler from the time he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And got a lot of, no, that's never going to happen. You're not going to make it. You're not going to do it. And he just didn't listen to any of that. And he taught himself how to backflip. And he t- you know, taught himself how to do these forward somersaults. He taught himself all of these things. And then he started making inroads into this industry. Right. And his very first paid gig was in Mexico, which he got on a bus, rode 10 hours to this gig, did one match, got paid $20, got on a bus and rode 10 hours back and was just so excited that he'd had the chance to do it. Oh, he wants to play. So get ready for some weird cat sounds, y'all. And he's of that opinion. It's like, just if you if there's something you really want, just do it. If you fail, then find another way. Yeah. Find another way to do it. If it means that much to you, you will find a way. And now he's pretty much Jericho's right hand man in a way. Yeah, and he's adorable. Yeah, he's the Spanish god and part of the inner circle. Yep. Yeah. Well, and he was the Spanish god before he came mm. to AEW. Yeah. And I've actually been watching some of his vlogs before he was AEW, and he's just, he's adorable. And he hangs out with a lot of the other wrestlers because they're all touring all the time. Oh, yeah. He and Marco and Jungle Boy Jack Perry hang out a lot. Jurassic Express Mm -hmm. with Luchasaurus. Yeah, they they have fun. In fact, I, I recommend, if you are a fan of wrestling, I recommend Sammy's vlog. There are some really fun moments like Marco and Sammy imagining what a match between them would be like if they wrestled and they did it in anime style Mm -hmm. and it was so stupidly fantastic. Yeah, the the dubbing was off or they wouldn't even move their mouths and Mm -hmm. you'd hear their inner monologue and there's speed lines and Mm -hmm. weird angles. It was just fun. It was so much fun. It was just great stuff yeah so because marco he's tiny he is so little and that's the thing with jurassic express is it's like it's little medium large mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and so it's like just funny how they come out and yeah there's definitely a, a significant size difference between the three wrestlers and a uh, funny story and true story uh sammy's dad his favorite wrestler is marco <laughs> Not his own kid. No, not his own kid, Marco. Marco. No. It's somebody who's there largely for the comedic effect of being short, but he's got heart and spirit too, and the mm-hmm. crowd loves him. Because every once in a while he'll do like a hurricane rana on somebody. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how did that man bring down that giant man with his tiny body? Yeah. Or Luchasaurus will pick him up and throw him at a bunch of people yep. over the ropes. Good times. Yeah. It's just, it's fun. I mean, how? where else are you going to get Jurassic Express than AEW? Yep. So I'm super excited about the live show because if nothing else, I get to be in the same room with Sammy Guevara. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's going to be after their big revolution thing, isn't it? So it's yes. like they might be starting whole new storylines. So it's, that'll be fun. It's quite possible because Revolution is today yeah. as we're recording it. And then they're in Denver this coming week and then they're here. Right. So. Crazy. I know, right? Yeah. So there you go. Wrestling. Uh, Should we talk a little bit about D&D or about a half hour in? Yeah. Well, let's just talk a little bit about D&D. I, I enjoy our chats about D&D. Yeah. And it's been a while since we've had a D&D discussion. Yes. The way 5e looks at character advancement is that there's various tiers and they usually kind of fall in line with your proficiency bonus. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yes. And since you guys are 12th level now, your proficiency bonus, I believe, is plus five, I think. Nice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's plus five at the moment because you start with two and you get one every four levels. 12 by 4 is 3, so plus 3, you have 5. <laughs> so I have a proficiency bonus of plus 5. And around that time, it's get off the continent that you're usually on. Yep. Go explore new continents. And so I had you guys go to this southernmost continent. It's kind of like an Antarctica thing, but still kind of Scandinavian too. There are, are places with trees and foliage and that sort of thing, tundra. But there's also glaciers and big old snow caps and stuff and that's where a lot of the human barbarians are and their clan of the totem warrior style where they the way they rage is they tap into their animal natures and each clan is devoted to a specific animal like i got to introduce the clan of the raven which is a custom-made one nice. which are kind of tied to the raven queen just to have that kind of universality that was fun to introduce but yeah clan of the bear clan of the eagle Kind of the wolf, you got to experience some of those guys. Yes, one of them gave a very nice collar to my wolf. Yes, uh, Amulet of the Wolf, I think it's called. Uh And yeah, it allows Phaedra to become a dire wolf for, I think, 10 minutes or a minute, something like that. Yes, well, a minute is 10 rounds, so that's... uh, That's still pretty good. That's pretty advanced there. Yeah, and her damage bonuses and bonuses to attack and stuff would increase be becoming a dire wolf because of you know stats adjusting she basically hulks out that's pretty much it she don't she'd hulk out and she also gets these cool abilities wherever terrain she's in she gets special abilities to her attacks Mm -hmm. which kind of ties into the way your bow works okay i'm in a forest so a forest is tied to lightning so i'm gonna do lightning attacks Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah you guys are on this mission to get the warlock all these enchantments or incantations to unlock the abilities of this weapon of nine hells because this basically obsidian hilt to a weapon he holds can become nine different weapons and he's going around unlocking each of them in turn and one of them is in this room where dwarves have challenges to resolve any kind of issues because they're all about contest and so he to get in there he's agreed to help them return all these barbarian immigrants that have come to the Dorvan lands from the Southlands because of this weird rage virus thing that's happening. It's like 28 days later up in there. Yeah, all the barbarians, they can't help but rage. Mm -hmm. They get infected and they become in this rage state and they attack one another and it's been a real big issue and a lot of the people there have taken to boats and sailed north to the Dorvan kingdom. And it turns out the problem was this creature called the Primal Guardian. It was this bear 
with antlers and a goat-like beard. He was so big. <laughs> About 60 feet tall, I said. So big. And I based it on the Sinkovic's New Mutants demon mm. bear storyline. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I was reading a bit of that and going, oh, that's a really cool idea. I like the idea of a bear being your opponent, but having it not be its choice. It's been mm. infected by an attack by your main villain that I introduced very early on. I think fourth or fifth level, Yeah. I introduced this tiefling sorcerer that has been a thorn in your side all this time. Kind Vincent. of leading you guys on this wild goose chase, trying to track him down and determine what's his plan because he's a member of this death cult and it's not clear why he's doing the things he's doing yeah well there is a reason i know yeah. there's a reason yeah there's got to be a reason just what that reason is is unclear we'll find him yeah and we'll find out i feel like it has something to do with the withering yeah well that's the death cult is connected to the withering as they know what's coming mm-hmm. is that it's basically death itself it's uh it's pretty much an elemental of death that has been going from universe to universe destroying them and it's headed to the uh, nine kingdoms of Nguyen yep. and it's just a matter of time it shows up and it seems like Vincent and his crew are preparing for that what they're gonna do apparently is hide in a pocket dimension and then return and rebuild the world in their image fuckers and so they even made you guys the offer to join and you guys refused those cheeky feckers those cheeky feckers so it's just fun how you, you as a dungeon master can, some people scream plagiarism or something, but you take your influences from wherever. And something like the Demon Bear series, I, I took a little bit of that and crafted it to fit my narrative and become its own side story. And it was pretty brutal too, but you guys worked really hard not to injure the Demon Bear once you knew it was wounded and somehow was not responsible for its behavior. Well, I didn't think he was responsible for its behavior anyway. Yeah. I do find it funny that we all went up the mountain in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so Grim and Essa got there first. And Essa, for the first time ever, was Clangy McClangerson and failed her stealth roll. Yep. She's really skilled rogue fighter with stealth out of this world. And she crit failed. And I know some DMs crit fail only on attack rolls. But I think it's fun to do the stats, too, where you can yeah. nat 20 a stat or, or a skill check. Yeah. Ability check. That is fun to add that just 5% chance of critical failure or critical success to anything you do. Because mm-hmm. failure is interesting. And without it, I mean, if you're always successful in your stealth checks, what's the fun of that? Yeah, but they went up on a magic carpet. You used your Staff of the Woodlands. Yes, I did. To create a tree and just hold a branch as it would grow and then shrink it and then grow and then shrink it while uh, your cleric just free climbed. Yeah. And so he was the last to it's arrive. Like, you could have ridden the tree with me, man. What yeah. is up with you? And when he got there, you guys were pretty much done. And he just had an opportunity to heal the wound on the uh, primal guardian. Yeah. He could have been a lot more help. He could have been, especially considered how much damage some people are taking from this roar and also... Um, this rage stare that he did to our warlock. Mm-hmm. And then he cast Fireball. Yep, right over on Essa, and she did another one, because she has that, I forget the name of it, but rogues, if they succeed their dexterity saving throw, take no damage from something they'd normally take half damage for. Yeah. And she 
crit failed and so she didn't even know the attack was coming and got hit directly with a fireball and mm-hmm. that took a lot of damage it's a really strong spell and then the primal roar really hit our warlock as well grimlock on essa save but took half damage so both of them were a little hurt a by little. the time we got there <laughs> yeah i didn't get touched i used penguins to disguise me yeah <laughs> Not no, really, but it was no, just fun in the narrative yeah. to, well, to hide behind a bunch of penguins. Yeah, Essie used a polar bear, so yeah. I'm going to use penguins. Yeah. But yeah. Hide uh, behind my, a bunch of penguins. My, and my tree came in handy again. I used it to climb up to the bear. Yep. So you could get to its shoulder blades and remove this arrowhead that had been infused with enchantment magic to yeah. charm or otherwise you know, enchant the beast. I had to do a medicine roll, which I don't have a really high bonus for. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like telling my die, hey, man, I need a win here. <laughs> really need a win. And I rolled really high, so I was super happy. Grimlock attempted, and he did very poorly and actually ended up pushing it further in. Mm-hmm. So I have tiny hands. Yeah. You managed to get in there and yank it out, which is funny because our cleric actually has the medicine skill. Even though he's a healer, he still has the medicine skill. Yeah. Well, and I also have the spell speak with animals, and so I was able to talk to him Mm -hmm. and confirm that he wasn't doing this of his own free will. But I was already 99.9% sure that he wasn't. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it was good Good fun. Yep. What do you think? Dark track time? Let's do it. Big Time Kill is a synth rock band. <laughs> what? The way I said that? Yes. Big Time Kill, kill. is a synth rock band from Boston, Massachusetts. 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 Big Time Kill is a synth rock band from Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, and are a two-piece and speaking of the hosts of The Greatest Generation, did I speak of them earlier? Probably. Anytime uh, we talk about Star Trek, I usually bring them up. I'm sure you did at some point. Yeah. Uh, ben and Adam mm-hmm. are the two people behind Big Time Kill. This is a remix song of Evil. It's the Boundless remix. And so I think it's departed from whatever meaning was in the original tune, mm. which is probably why it comes across going, what's this song about? I don't know. That, that, see, that's... <laughs> The thing with remixes is so often they are unrecognizable from the original. Agreed. Anyhow, this is Big Time Kill with Evil, the Boundless Remix.
play the whole thing. I did, I liked it. Yeah, um, there's this podcast I listened to recently called The Supergroup, which is Tony Newsom and some friends, and she'll get in. I think her husband plays drums every once in a while on a track, and she gets in comedians and musicians to create a song in a week. And it had that kind of feel to it, mm. where it seemed like there's multiple contributions to the same song because mm. it kept going in directions going okay where's the song going now yes i don't know i i just gave up on trying to find a narrative yeah because there's i mean it talks about feeling good and seeing good and stuff like that but also being evil and that's about it it seemed to only take the chorus yeah, there didn't seem to be any verses but evil people do not think they're evil no they think that they are smarter than everyone else and they're doing what needs to be done. Yep. They are the heroes mm-hmm. to themselves and often to those around them. Yes. So it would make sense, seeing good, feeling good, all that would make sense, even in a song called yep. Evil. Evil, yep. There's some kind of piano in there. There's mm-hmm. some acid synth in there. There's yep. some breakbeat in there. Yeah. There's some kind of decrup style, like classic analog synth sounding stuff. Mm-hmm. There's some guitar-laden work very early on in the song. All kinds of stuff going on. I found that interesting. It seems like kind of a mood piece or just something for musicians to explore little things they want to try out. Yeah, well, uh, listening to it, I felt like it was very dark and harsh, which is really what you want out of a song called Evil. Yeah, yeah, it did have this kind of harsh It was. I, I'm not complaining about the harshness. Yeah. I liked it. It fit. Yeah, it sounded like something that you'd hear as maybe for use in soundtrack to a video game or a yeah. movie or something like that, yeah. or even a TV series. Yeah. Where, the, where there's a montage going on of the bad guys doing their thing. <laughs> or How like, appropriate. Or like an undercover cop getting in too deep kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, where they're trying to do the good thing, but they're having to do bad things to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has that kind of vibe to it. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. I don't think I've ever played Big Time Kill before, so it's kind of a first appearance on our podcast. Well done. I have an album of remixes of theirs, so of their songs, so fun. Uh, anything else to say about the track? No, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, From really the moment it. it started, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this sounds evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially with the... <laughs> that you can't quite hear what they're saying. I in have the first no idea. Distorted to the point of, okay, what are they saying? Mm-hmm. And then it gets into the chorus and the little musical breakdowns. Yeah. Yeah, fun. Hi, I'm Mark Gagliardi. And I'm Hal Lublin. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, We Got This. Our plan is to provide irrefutable answers to irrelevant arguments. The final say on dumb debates. So don't worry, we got this. No topic is too small and no argument is too petty for us to tackle. You might be asking yourself, who are you two to make these decisions for all of humanity? That's easy. We're actors. So subscribe to We Got This on iTunes so you don't miss a single episode of us telling you what's best for you. Relax, the world. We got this. All right, shall we main topic this thing? Shall we get into the point? Let's do it. Uh, We didn't really discuss how we want to do this in order if we want to kind of go back and forth and who wants to start. Well, I think you should start, and I think we should go back and forth between each category. Okay, so I start, and then you go twice, and then I go twice, that no, kind of way? No, Or just me? No. you start with what your category is and who you picked, and then I tell you who my pick is for that category. Right, and then it's back to me again. Mm-hmm. So I'm always going first. Yeah. Okay, 
I didn't know if we wanted to go back and forth in nah. case there's any nah. crossover. Nah. If there is, then there is. But... Yeah, you'd be surprised if there was? Uh, I would, actually. Okay. I'm going to bring up my list. I don't know if you'll be able to read it from here. No. I guess I could turn you don't, this. You don't have to. I can't see it from here. Okay. So what we're doing is we're building our uh, custom supervillain teams. I've done 10 categories. We can kind of talk about each category in turn rather than do them all at the start. Beginning with beast or mascot. This is an animal or critter or something like that that is used by the team. If you think of the Joker and its use of his use of hyenas. Mm-hmm. That's gone on to Harley Quinn in the Birds of Prey movie with to fun effect. Yes. <laughs> One of the coolest, more charming parts of that movie, I think, is her getting that hyena. Any kind of monster critter that your super team's going to use, or if you think of uh, sharks with friggin' lasers on their heads, <laughs> you know, that kind of vibe. Or the, you know, the Bond villain that has the piranha to dump a body in. Mm. You know, so that's what I was going for, is a beast or mascot that the team uses. I went with, and this is kind of a big one, I went with, oh, I guess I should talk about how I approached this super villain team first. Yes, you If should. you don't mind. You I went with a diversity casting. I wanted to select a little bit from different demographics. I didn't want to just go, like, straight white male, you know, just straight down the barrel. I also didn't want to pick from the same kind of fandom because we're pulling from all different sources. I didn't want to do like multiple Marvels, multiple DCs. I wanted to lift a little bit from everything and also not just comic books, but also other forms of fiction, whether it's video games or mythology or anything like that. And so with that said, my beast or mascot is the Xenomorph from Alien. I know it's kind of risky to have that because it could always turn bad on whoever's trying to control it. In fact, that's usually the storyline of people who have been trying to use the Xenomorph for their own ends. It usually backfires. But I figure hopefully whoever's masterminding my team will figure out a way to control it. And the alien, the original alien from Ridley Scott's Alien, was performed by Balaji Badejo who's from Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Very tall, very thin man that managed to fit into the alien costume. And so in later series, you see the aliens kind of chunk up a little bit. Yep. (laughs) Which kind of works because you start having these guardian-type aliens that are a bit bulkier, a bit more muscular. Yeah. But for the, the original xenomorph, something tall and gangly and frightening Mm -hmm. so i went with the xenomorph yeah um well here's where we're a little bit similar Uh uh-huh because i went with the xenomorph queen oh wow so (laughs) enough difference i think yeah because she's uh she can reproduce right so yeah that that was the big factor is that she can reproduce and she is also three times as big as a regular xenomorph and is a bad motherfucker. You know what? I think I might fall back on an honorable mention then. You don't have so, to. No, you no. can have the xenomorph queen. I'll have the blob from the 1980s remake. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, who would actually devour and eat children. Mm-hmm. 
and the special effects. Trey Stokes worked on that film. Special effects in that film are amazing. The yes. way they manipulate this pink gelatinous bit of goo. It was so good. Uh, using a model, tipping it on its side, and having the blob drip down it, looking like it's taking over. Or mm-hmm. doing reverse shots to make it jump from the ceiling onto... Yes. Yeah, it's just amazing. So, I love that film anyway. It's just this crazy... 80s remake of the original Blob and just that pink gelatinous bit of dissolving material is something. So I'm going to go with that. Um, You get multiple things with having the Queen Xenomorph because there's some leadership stuff there. There's the reproduction stuff there. Yeah. She's also badass. Yeah. Yeah, that was was why I went with her because I just thought, well, if it's something that's not really someone that talks as more of an animal mm-hmm. then that was the first thing that came into yeah i really like that choice and using you know sticking the queen after somebody instead of just some critter there's some cunning there as well and also beast that can manage its own under beasts mm-hmm. is a fun idea yeah she can have her own horde yeah. And just, you know, they don't even necessarily have to go and attack things themselves. They just send out the queen and her minions. And... I wonder if the blob could separate itself and work independently in pieces of blob. I would bet that they absolutely could. So they in a way, could. we both have a similar ability to divide and use sublabor. Interesting. All right. The next category is your close combat or martial arts expert, martial artist. Yeah, you're... Close combat fighter that can fight unarmed is pretty much what I was going for. Usually it's kind of a henchman, like bodyguard type. Mm. I've often seen as your main martial artist guy. I went with Gabriel Yula from The One as performed by Jet Li, the evil one. The one that does all the hard style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the whole idea of that film was the multi-universe theory, but there was a limited number of universes. Mm-hmm. And Gabriel, was, the evil Gabriel, is going from world to world, killing, killing off his counterpart and gaining their power. Yeah. Because if he was the only one, he would have all the powers of the others combined. So basically, I'm taking somebody who's got like, I think there was like 12 worlds or something like that. So he's six times more powerful than... Because there's the good version, too, that's also six times more powerful. But about six times more powerful than he would be normally. But I also get Jet Li. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. I went at this from totally different directions than you did. Uh So I should announce that my list is all female. Oh, cool. I decided I wanted to go all female. Yeah. Because there are a lot of badass females out there. And I had trouble narrowing it down in some cases. I'm like, well, it could be this or it could be that. And so I actually had this person in a different place, but then I changed my mind. Uh-huh. So who I put in this role is Nebula. Oh, very nice. Because very good close combat fighter. She's extremely good close up. Yeah. In fact, she's at her best when she's fighting close mm-hmm. up. So there's, and she's just kind of unstoppable because she's actually more machine now than yeah. anything else. That she can put herself together after being defeated often. Yeah, she can uh, have everything knocked out of its socket and mm-hmm. just put herself back together. Yep. She just gets up and keeps going. Because we've seen her do that before where she's all twisted and mangled mm-hmm. after like an explosion or something and she'll just do a little t- 
contorting and suddenly all the limbs are back into place. Well, that has to hurt, but she yep. doesn't act like it does. She's very determined. Yep. She doesn't stop until she's done. Yeah, she's like one of those unstoppable forces mm -hmm. that once she has a mission in mind, you know, you better not be in her way. Yep. I like that a lot. That's really good. And she's so limber and spry and fast and all of nimble and lethal. All, yeah, yeah, all of those things. I thought there isn't anyone I could think of who more fits in close combat than Nebula. Yeah, I like this style-wise. It's very counter to uh, Yula. So fun. Yep. Next up is the espionage agent or thief. Could be any kind of subterfuge or spying. I went with Soundwave from the Transformers animated series. <laughs> I got my nice. robot. Well uh, done. <laughs> it's a bit dated because it's a cassette player. Yeah, so but what? I think they've updated it uh, from time to time. But the idea that he can phase shift so he can, you know, he can change from one size to another so he can become super small. I also get this kind of sublabor thing because he has his cassettes that he can send off. He's got the... The wolf one and the bird one. Mm -hmm. I think Busby gets name. Yeah, I believe you're right. Wonderful robotic voice. But the same guy that voiced Fred from Scooby-Doo and also I think Fred Flintstone. He does Fred's a lot. I believe he's coming to Fan X. Frank Welker's his name. Yeah, Frank Welker. I think he's coming to Fan X. Yeah. yeah, he is coming to Fan X. Yeah. You were, I think you told me that and you got excited because this Famous voice actor. Well, that and Peter Cullen. I mean, those are le those guys are both legends. Yep. So yeah, he's the robotic-sized voice of Soundwave, which is the one of the Transformers that actually sounds like a robot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very deep voice and very monotone. But yeah, definitely an espionage expert. Very good at spying. Can get into places like the Pentagon and overhear information. And a communications expert, too, which is kind of fun that I have that available as well. Yes. Plus being able to change into a giant robot with a gun and a rocket launcher on the shoulders. Not too bad of a <laughs> of a bonus. <laughs> Not bad at all. Yeah. Not bad at all. Okay, so my person... So I didn't limit myself the way that you did, so I could choose from anything at any time, multiple times if I wanted. Yeah, that's fun. And so my espionage agent slash thief is the best person for the job because it's Mystique. Oh, wow. What a good choice. Can become anyone or anything wow. and go anywhere. Yeah. Being able to change your identity to infiltrate any place and get not only information, but to do misinformation too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a damn good choice. And also has some leadership roles in her own right. So it's kind of nice that you have this kind of group of leaders in their... I mean, Nebula less so, but she could be. Oh, she can absolutely be a leader. Yeah, because I imagine there's time Thanos is off doing his own thing that she has to take over a leadership role. So you're having kind of a team of leaders, which is fun so far. Yeah, well, I'm working under the assumption that these people are going to get along and get shit done. Yeah, it's kind of like... A, criminal organization in its own right where it's kind of like something like Spectre or whatever where there are multiple organizations under one umbrella and so yeah. there you have the Xenomorph Queen and Nebula and Mystique all working together towards a specific goal. That's fascinating. I like that concept. Yeah. So that I just feel like there was 
no one else who was better for that than she was. Yeah. Especially if it's the mystique of the comics, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely going with the mystique of the comics. Yeah, she's has far more agency. Yeah, I'm going with screen version of Nebula because I don't know as much about her in the comics. Yeah. But uh, screen version of Nebula kicks ass, so. You kind of have a blue team, too. Blue and black. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really think of it that way. Oh, Nebula's yeah. kind of purplish, isn't she? Well, yeah, purple and blue. Purple and blue, purple, yeah. Purple and blue. Um, next up, we have the Gooner Muscle. This is your strong person, the mm-hmm. one that's the, you know, powerful, all muscle kind of person. This was the first one I thought of, which kind of changed how I was going to do things because there's people that I like out of the villain categories that you would think I'd put on here that I didn't for this very reason. I went with Angel Dust from Deadpool. Wow. Played by Gina Carano. If you can stand your own against Colossus, yes, you're freaking powerful. Absolutely. You're extremely muscular and powerful. And she managed to hold her own pretty well until she got hit by the mega psychic... Negasonic teenage Negasonic warhead. teenage warhead beam. Mm-hmm. That kind of knocked her out a little bit. With her in The Mandalorian, you can see her acting ability improving with each project she's in. So, she's yeah. really good. I really like her. Yeah, I mean, I, I like loved her, her in too. Deadpool. Yeah. And I loved her even more in The Mandalorian. Yeah, she's definitely on the rise. So, yeah, I, I like her a lot. I liked her in that film as the the muscular hench. Yeah. And I will like her in that role for my supervillain team. Mm-hmm. Well, the lady I have chosen for this role is actually... Well, I, it's probably pronounced differently by other people, but I'm going to call her Titania. But it's really Titania. A Titania? Uh, who is basically created by Doctor Doom. Oh, yes. Uh, okay. She, she was actually prematurely born, and she was scrawny and was mocked a lot in school, and the popular kids hated her and called uh-huh. her Skeeter when she's a redhead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... And she she basically got sick of that shit, and when Doom was looking for people to experiment on while creating his supervillain army, she agreed to undergo his process and uh, became Titania, or Titania as I like to call her. And uh, she is basic. she has the strength of a titan. Wow. She is basically, she's pretty much the opposite of She-Hulk. So she's as strong as She-Hulk, but she is just rotten to the core now. The experiment just messed her up personality-wise. Ah, right. And so she is no longer a, a, a nice person at all in any way. Yeah. So. It's interesting how Doom has a lot of women in his um, his army, his, uh, his forces. She finally has everything that she thought she wanted, and now she's going in the opposite direction off the deep end and becoming the thing she hates. So, mm. so but, I think this is your first kind of wild card. Yeah, where she's, she's a bit unpredictable and is not as leadership qualified. No, I wouldn't call her a leader in any way, shape, or form yeah. because her confidence is shakable. Right. And uh, she's definitely a bad girl, and she is super strong and tough. So yeah, definitely could... worthy of the being the muscle. Yeah, it's going to be interesting when you get to the leader to see who's leading this whole big group. <laughs> Fascinating. Hmm. You will not. You may or may not be surprised. We'll see. Okay, similar to kind of the beast. This is a odd category. This next one. It's a headquarters or lair. Mm-hmm. And this is your base of operations for the supervillain team and mm-hmm. all the things that it provides. I went with the island from the first Incredibles movie. 
Oh, wow. I think it has a little bit of everything. It's got the cool volcanic lair with the lava walls for privacy that you can move. It's got that defense mechanism where it fires balls of sticky black goo at people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's got surveillance. It's got a monorail system mm-hmm. for travel. Yeah, yeah. It's got robots that you can sick on people. <laughs> and it's got a nice little private <laughs> island with, you know, kind of that paradise tropical aspects so it's pretty to boot mm-hmm. so yeah i went with the uh the island from their incredibles yeah that is uh that is really smart <laughs> that's really smart i i went for the hall of doom <laughs> oh fun <laughs> because it's mobile yeah it's mobile and <laughs> you imagine the defenses on that thing yeah it, it has some great defenses yeah we all just came in and kicked lex kicked lex luthor and brainiac and all those guys out of there and it's like and this is our place over. now yep. we're gonna have cersei lannister redecorate and <laughs> you know make it more homey and luxurious so, <laughs> so you'd be underwater at times mm-hmm. uh, yeah we can hide yeah. anywhere fun we can hide in space we can hide underwater you can't fucking find us yeah that's the one thing about the island it is static it's not going anywhere mm-hmm. yeah leader mastermind who is leading this group mine's a very unusual choice it's the general from the sons of samdi in saints row 2 wow wow Wow. I really like the Sons of Samdi. I like their kind of black exploitation whole vibe thing. Yes. I like that all their vehicles are green. I like that they wear green. That's kind of their gang color. Mm-hmm. I like how they operate out of a meatpacking plant where they also process the people that's wrong them. <laughs> <laughs> and that they have this whole voodoo vibe. Mm-hmm. Very spooky stuff. And yeah, when you're fighting him, I think you're even high at the time because of the drugs in the area that are on fire and so you're getting high trying to attack this guy Mm -hmm. but yeah he is voiced by dave finoy who uh, some of you might know from the walking dead right and he's also voiced a lot of uh characters in video games Mm -hmm. but yeah the general yeah just fun stuff wow interesting yeah it's unusual and yeah it's to be the main leader it's kind of like of all the people i would pick why <laughs> you know this this gang leader but i just remember really digging that yeah and when it came to me it's like oh yeah that that should be the leader uh this one was one of those where i had difficulty choosing between two so i'm going to tell you my honorable mention All right. first which is mirror universe emperor philippa Giorgio. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. But I what I ended up going with was the Borg Queen. Uh-huh. Because it's the fucking Borg Queen. It's the Borg Queen and organization is a really big deal. Yeah. Plus she's machine and human. Uh-huh. So she has both aspects. Her mind works faster than anybody else's. Mm-hmm. She also can command an entire army of drones and should she, she choose yeah, to. And she's aware of everything they're aware of because mm-hmm. of the hive mind. Mm-hmm. And so if you think of if she's leading this team, has she assimilated them? I wouldn't say she's fully assimilated them. That she's done the locutus on them. Yeah, she's she's d- basically probably done a locutus a bit. I'm like not fully converted them and, yeah. and turned them into you know having appliances. But there's def- definitely probably cybernetics in all of them, mm-hmm. so that she can keep tabs on them. Right. But she also offers them more autonomy than she would a drone. Yes. So because you know she doesn't have to do everything. That's why she's the queen. Right. 
So. It's like this is the next stage evolution of the Borg. Yeah. It's like, okay, I don't need mindless drones. I need ones that can work independently in case they get cut off from the collective. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole point. You don't want someone that's going to break down if they get cut off. Interesting. So that's that's why I chose her. And I think it helps solve your xenomorph problem and also your Titania problem. If there's a little bit of control mm-hmm. through cybernetics... It's like, okay, we're going to put those in the ones that are the wild cards, but yeah. the ones that can work independently, we're fine. Yeah. And Nebula's already there. Yeah, exactly. So being able to convert her would be super simple. Yeah, it's like, here, let's just put this tiny chip. It's in. like That's a software really update. That's <laughs> about it. Yeah. Here, here's the latest iOS, and we're good to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the future of Apple, Borg. Yeah, very nice. Okay, Mad Scientist Techie. I went with the Redler, the Redler, the Riddler from Batman, nice. particularly the one from the Arkham games as voiced by Wally Wingert. Mm-hmm. I get a little bit of everything techie with the Riddler because he is a technical expert. He's an engineer uh, devising these really complicated traps and stuff. He's also a computer and software expert, can create gadgets. So all these kind of strange gadgets that the supervillains teams can use you know all these super villains of my team can utilize and also i like the riddler the narcissism the competitiveness mm-hmm. but and again i kind of got who's already somewhat of a leader of his own under somebody else's uh, administrations mm-hmm. is interesting but i could see how they would work together for a common goal possibly yep yeah this is uh out of left field but when i realized it was the perfect fit i had to do it mrs coulter from his dark materials book one oh. the golden compass holy crap because she is mad and she's a scientist yeah because her whole thing about separating the demons from children mm-hmm. that that's device, her that device was her design design yeah and that's so cruel mm-hmm. and if she can apply that to other people to Make them willless and mindless and Yeah, well, it's not even soulless. about that particular thing. She can do whatever she wants. Yeah. She's very intelligent, and she can dream up absolutely anything right. and make it a reality. Yeah, because we're kind of in a quasi-steampunky kind of universe with Dark Materials. I mean, there's some magic there as well, but there's some steampunk influences as well, and I can see her devising certain devices and machines and gadgets and whatnot. Well, to fit her ends. Yeah. Besides that, she's aware that there are other realities. So, you know, it's not going to come as some big shock to her. Really, honestly, when I think of Mrs. Coulter, I now think specifically of Ruth Wilson's portrayal of her mm-hmm. in the HBO series. Oh, yeah. Because she is just the embodiment to me of that character. Right. It's a good choice. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm next, aren't I? Yes, you are. Okay. Speaking of, this is kind of like the opposite side of the coin, you know, the spectrum. Mm-hmm. From what we just discussed, it's the magical or super-powered person in your team. I went biblical. Oh, wow. I went with Lilith from the Old Testament. Oh, wow. So we're talking about the first, what people regard the first ever demon. Mm-hmm. Who was kicked out of Eden for wanting equality with Adam. Which is why I don't see her as a, a villain. No, she's not at all. Yeah, that she's uh, she wanted to be on top during sex. And for that, she got kicked out of Eden. <laughs> and that resentment, I mean, that's why it's called Lilith Fair. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, those women rockers, all these, you know, riot girls and that whole femme rock vibe. Yeah. It was called Lelafair for that very reason that she was unfairly maligned and kicked out of Eden for just, what, wanting to be equal mm-hmm. to Adam. So, yeah, very Old Testament. And, of course, she's going to have demonic powers. And some people consider her the first succubus, others the first vampire. And you see her used in fiction a lot as the the first, you know, one of the first evils to affect humanity. So Sure, whatever. Equality is an evil. Way to go, Old Testament. Yeah, so to have her have this um, righteous indignation towards humanity for mm. unfairly kicking her out of Eden. Well, and, really, was Eden know. so interesting? No. Exactly. Yeah. So I didn't go with superpowered. I went with magical. Okay. And I chose the bat, most badass magical person I could think of, which honorable mention to Enchantress, but I chose Maleficent. Nice. Because, and I'm going with the original Disney interpretation of Maleficent. Not the... And not the live Benjamin action stuff Jolie. that makes no sense. Yeah, not the Disney makes a rape revenge film. Mm-hmm. Not going with that version. Yep. She's just bad to the bone. Yeah, she's... I mean, Still, She's, her skin is green. She's so bad that her skin is <laughs> has turned green. She can turn into a dragon. Mm-hmm. She can turn into a dragon. She, she can turn. She can put up a forest of mm-hmm. brambles and thorns around a castle in like ten seconds. She has a crow that can spy for her. Mm-hmm. She has her own little horde of demons. Yeah. And she just, she doesn't stop. Once she has a goal, she will never stop. She doesn't care if it takes her 16 damn years. She's going to kill that princess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was slighted, and she is not having it. Yep. Once again, kind of a leadership role in her own right. So, yeah, fascinating. Yep. Maleficent rocks. Yeah, Maleficent. And I could see her there for her own reasons, because I don't think any board control is going to happen at all. Probably when you're, not. When you're a demon basically or a oh, sorceress she, she definitely calls on the powers of hell yeah in fact she says as she much says in the so sleeping beauty which i guess some people go wow disney doing hell it's like yeah she's mm-hmm. evil what do yeah. you expect yeah she's completely wow. evil that's i mean we're kind of comparable on those two <laughs> yeah <laughs> these embodiments of pure evil kind of things that mine is like really it's more like the institutionalized <laughs> patriarchy yeah. Yep. Okay. Kind of like the headquarters and lair, this one's a bit left field. It's not really a person, but a transportation thing or vehicle. But I guess you could take the driver of it with it as a kind of a bonus if necessary. Yep. So I went with uh, something from a game I don't even play, but I respect its aesthetic. It's from Warhammer 40k. It is the Phalanx Mothership. From the Imperial Fists of Terra, which is this monastic group of hardline Earth purists. They're basically like Catholics in space, but like 40,000 years in the future. Mm. The ships are super old. The phalanx looks like a big-ass flying cathedral in space. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really has the buttresses and (laughs) gargoyles and spires and everything. And this just giant ship in space. And I thought just for the ominous look of that and that the uh, the Imperial Fists are pretty evil in their own regard just because of their 
their devotion, single-minded devotion to their cause. Yeah. Think of kind of a crusade kind of attitude towards other races. I chose a person and a vehicle. Nice. And the person that I chose is actually Black Mariah because she started out boosting cars. Okay. Yeah. And then moved on to drug dealing and then moved on to become an upstanding figure in society and antagonist to Luke Cage. But before all that, she was just boosting cars. Right. So she she knows how to get a ship. And I, this is going to be a weird one, but I went with, most people don't know its name, but it's the Eclector, which is Yondu's Ravager ship. Oh, that may, yeah, I know that. Yeah. I wouldn't know the name of it, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, because it's big. That's kind of fun because it's kind of quasi-villain. It's kind of like in the just the petty thief kind of Ravager role. I like that. Yeah, it, it you can kind of just go, okay, that doesn't look like an evil ship. Right. But it doesn't look like a good ship either. It yeah. just looks like a ship. Yeah. So they're going to kind of go low-key with that. I like it. it. It's got room for everybody and everything that they could possibly need. Because I, I wouldn't say... Ravagers are good people. I mean, no, but I wouldn't say yeah. they're all villains. Either. Yeah, they're, they're kind of like pirates. They're they're very much like pirates. Yeah, it so. depends on what their ideals are as to whether they're bad or good mm-hmm. or neutral. All of that. Because yeah. usually they're neutral, but and, in and this case. what they're hired to do too. Yep. And that's another thing is that the whole Ravager code. They do have a code, and Yondu broke that code by uh-huh. getting children for ego. And he was ostracized for that. Right. So there is there is still a code there. But in any case, we took his ship anyway. Uh, he can <laughs> nice. stay if he wants. But honestly, this is a girls club up in here. So we can keep him around for sex, I mm. guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I believe we're to our last category, aren't we? we? Are. Okay, this is your trigger person, your weapons expert. This is your ranged fighter. Uh, somebody that uses uh, guns or what have you. I went with Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men. Of course you did. The, I think, IMDb's top villains. I think on other lists, one of the top villains, too. As performed by Javier Bardem. Mm. And his page boy haircut is Dorothy Hamill haircut. Really? It's so 70s. But to use, basically, a bolt thrower used to kill cattle as his primary weapon. Yeah. uh, Flipping the coin to decide if you live or die. The idea that he's this hitman hired by drug cartels to go after whatever, and he's just not going to stop until he does the job. Mm -hmm. That is the only bit of integrity he really has, is devotion to the job at hand. One of the best screen representations of a sociopath. Yes. Yeah, he is definitely that frightening. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I went with uh, Anton Sugar, or also called Sugar. (laughs) <laughs> sugar 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 this may or may not come as a surprise uh-huh I, I don't know if it will but it made complete and total sense to me my weapons expert is hella because she can fucking make weapons from her body oh my god wow she can make projectiles she can make long-range weapons she can make short-range weapons she can make melee weapons yeah basically what we saw in ragnarok was that she, most of it was very sword-like or axe-like mm-hmm. but she could probably create whatever the fuck she wants well yeah especially after seeing these uh like ar-15s used as being able to mm-hmm. make her own out of whatever weird black material she 
traits from her body. Yep. That's her that's her superpower yes. is that she can create weapons from her body. She's essentially the goddess of death. So, she is. Yeah. She is the goddess of death. So, yeah. There is Who else is going to be better than that? Someone yeah. who can create them from their own body. Wow. So, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, because she could throw spikes at people. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember her doing so. Spikes, spears, gigantic pillar projectiles into the heart of a demon Mm -hmm. that still didn't kill it yeah (laughs) that's crazy yeah yeah so your all lady team is very cool i have to admit there's some really good surprises in there and some like obvious like yeah of course you're gonna choose that (laughs) how could you not choose that if offered yeah that's gonna be you know that's that's top of the list that's like first draft pick right there yeah i'm very pleased with my team yeah i like it a lot i liked my diversity hire yeah i love your team team. it's a great team and the that i limited what i could choose from i think opened up the creativity and that's how i got like sons of samdi and other things in there that i probably wouldn't have normally done yeah my problem was that it was difficult to find enough positive well, I shouldn't say positive because technically they are villains, but yeah. to find enough worthy fictional female villains, and that's kind of sad. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Yeah, because if I was just going for putting a team together and it didn't matter where they were, whether they were good or evil, I I would have no trouble with that at right. all. But it's uh, it seems to be hard for men to write female villains. Oh, gee, what a surprise! Yeah. Guess mm. what? Um, it's not always a rape revenge story, and please stop doing that. Yeah. And sometimes they can just be bad. Yeah, sometimes they actually have other reasons for why they are the way they are. And they think Mm -hmm. they're the heroes. Yeah. Make no mistake. So, fun! true. Fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Me too. And it got us to talk about stuff we don't normally talk about. I mean, we don't really ever talk about Transformers. I know, right? We should totally do something like this more often. Yeah, just do fun lists. Yeah. Yeah, it's always fun to create uh, a thing. And I thought doing a villain team was a bit more interesting than doing a hero team, which I think we've done a hero team in the past. Have we? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, but maybe we can do it again because it'll always be different. Anytime you create a list, it ends up being different. Well, yeah, because... the way things work. Well, your knowledge changes and grows and your opinions change and grow. And so when the list you might have had a year ago could be totally different now. Didn't we do one about making like a D&D party out of people from fictional things i think we did but gosh we've been doing this so long yeah i'll have, have to remember i don't remember i think it might have been an idea that never came forward but maybe it did i don't know well you can go back to the topics and figure it yeah, out i'm sure yeah, I, i'm sure i could and if it was something that we didn't do on this particular pad podcast podcast i think i might have called it party time to be honest with you i think it's one we did do so i'll have to go back and look okay do that yeah because if we haven't done that, we're going to do that. And if yeah. we have done that, we'll find another thing to do. Yeah, because find another lists thing. Lists are fun. Lists are fun. Yeah. Fantasy lists of who you would choose are fun. Oh, do you have a name for your team? That's not something I thought of. Oh, I didn't think of a name. I didn't think of a name at all. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard when there's that diverse of a group to come out with a name that would hold them all. That's not just generic yeah, well, and the thing is, is I don't think women would give a flying fuck about a team name. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think they care. Estrogeneration. Uh, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. That is 
sexist as all get out. It is. Uh, I just still hit my funny bone, though. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Because that sounds like something from a parody thing. That sounds like something. Estro generation. Yeah, that actually sounds like something a man would come up with. Yep. And I am a man, so there you go. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to nix that one. Sorry, sweetie. But Ooh, maybe my guys are divergent, except that's already a series. So what? Divergent is a word oh, yeah. before it was a series. Divergence. Yeah, there you go. Divergents. Di- we divergence. could probably just call them agents of chaos. Yep. <laughs> True. There's, that's my ladies. Agents of chaos. Agents of chaos. There you go. Yep. All right, I guess um, shout-outs? Shout-outs. Hey! hey! My shout-out is to, on Twitter... At Shadow27, an illustrator, designer, a DJ, does flyers for various bands, often EBM bands. So we were having some talks during EBM day because I was sharing images of various EBM bands while mm-hmm. listening to my custom playlist I made for the day. And he would be telling stories about a lot of them. It's like, oh yeah, I was uh, driving these guys around and I think it was Nitzareb and they were signing stuff for me and we we're running a little late and they acted like they were going to get into real trouble. Like it was like they're in high school or something. Are we in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, guys, you're the band. They can, they can wait for you. It's not going to be an issue. <clears throat> you could start a little late. No big deal. Funny. Yeah. And just actual had interactions with a lot of these artists is kind of fun. So I haven't had that privilege very often. Um, the lead singer of Junk Sisters hit me up on the DJ Evil Dave page with promotional stuff, but you know, every once in a while I'll have a contact with some musician, but never like face to face like it has been for Shadow Twenty Seven. So it was fun to live vicariously through <laughs> his stories. So nice. that was fun. Very nice. My shout out is to Aaron Harvey, who is on Twitter as at Geek Filter. And he has been a friend for a few years. He's one of the people I met through Trek FM. Uh-huh. Not in person, unfortunately. Right. But uh, he's also an improviser. Oh, does nice. a lot of improv shows. Fun. Which is great. He also got to do an improv show with Mary Chifo of Star Trek Discovery. Oh, that's awesome. So jealous. He's a very good artist. He's really fantastic. His fan art uh-huh. is... Stuff I would buy at Benex. Yeah, like stuff that looks professionally done. Yeah, like, why aren't they hiring you to do this stuff? Well, he did get hired by CBS to create the official Star Trek animated series guide. Oh, that's very cool. And that uh, came out last year. And oh, very, very cool. It's a fantastic book. Nice. Absolutely. Beautifully done, researched put together all of it so he's just a really fascinating creative person and i enjoy him very much and i'm glad that i know you aaron salutations and i'm gonna say uh kickintheeye.com is the website for the shadow 27 and uh also kite studios k-i-t-e studios oh and i should have also mentioned that aaron uh was the host of the now defunct Saturday morning Trek show, which was about the animated series. Right. And then he got tapped to do this book, and that is what he had to focus on. And I know that he feels that he probably doesn't have anything more to say about the animated series, but I disagree. So I fervently hope that someday 
that uh, he will go back to mm-hmm. talking about the animated series in one capacity or another. There's always something to talk about, about whatever you're interested in. There's always fun new approaches to it, because we've been doing this for, what, a, close to a dozen years now? Uh, getting there. We're, yeah. We've passed year 11, I do believe, and yeah. are entering year 12. Yeah, there's always something mm-hmm. to uh, to discover about a series or just approach it from a different direction. It's like, yeah, what does well, this series say about this? Well, that's and that's the thing, too. Do it with somebody maybe who has not had the same experiences mm-hmm. and for someone who's newer to it yeah. or what have you. So, But anyway, thumbs up to yep, thumbs up. Aaron. He's, he's really a great dude. All right. Uh, I believe that's the close of the show. I actually managed to get quite a lot in there. More in news and reviews than I expected since we kept having weird tangents. Yeah, well, that was my fault. Yeah, that's fine. See a little slice of headcanon in our own show here. Yep. All right. Speaking of, you thinking of recording one of those Oh, I'm soon? definitely going to do that today. Okay. At some point. So, yep, look for that in yeah. the... Because, yeah, uh, darkcorner.com is now pretty much a network. Darkcorner.com. Yep. Is there's headcanon and this show. Yes. All right, that's it. Um, we have nothing planned for a future episode. We'll see what happens, I guess. Stop pa- telling people we what we have planned or not planned. Well, that's the we whole idea. We don't really come up with a topic until it's between shows. So I yeah. guess I don't really have to tell you that. No, you it's really just, don't. Well, if I do have plans, maybe I'll share them. But and maybe don't. you won't. Okay, maybe I won't. <laughs> All right, that's it for us this episode. Yes. And see you in maybe two weeks, unless there's a bonus episode. Yeah. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Dark Corner Podcast with David and Brandy Jacola. Find other episodes on darkcornerpodcast.com. And special thanks go out to Tom Elliott for kindly hosting our podcast. The intro song is Say by Dark Souls Day from the album X Lives. The outro is Silence by Defect86 from the album Ultramarin. The dark track was offered as a promotional item or was submitted by the artist or artist's representative and no infringement of copyright is intended. If you like our show, or perhaps don't but know someone who might, please recommend us to your weird friends. You can also help out the podcast by rating and reviewing us on your podcatching device of choice. Wish to contact us with feedback or perhaps even a suggestion for the point? Email us at thedarkcornerpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at darkcornercast. You can also like us on Facebook. The Dark Corner Podcast has both a group and a fan page. You can also listen to Brandy on Live from the Edge, the Star Trek Discovery podcast on Trek FM. If you're in Ogden on a Saturday night, come see me DJ and run tech at the Ogden Comedy Loft. Doors open at 8. Until next time. The Department of Evil. The Dark Corner.